You're listening to Pop, The History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. The History Maker this week is someone who has and continues to create music history with his work. Born in 1947 in post-war Germany, Wolfgang Fluhr made his name between 73 and 87 during the pioneering electronic era of the band Kraftwerk. After almost 10 years, he returned in 96 to music with the band Yamo, which is when I met him last. After his biography, Ich war ein Roboter, I was a robot, was released in 2000, Ralf Hutter and Florian Schneider filed a lawsuit disputing his accounts of his time with the band and the biography had to be changed. At the beginning of March 2022, Fleur released Magazine One, collaborations with many musicians including Peter Hook, Claudia Brucken, Midge Ewer, Carl Cox, Juan Atkins and Maps. The list goes on and all produced with Peter Dougal. This album is a masterpiece, one where he's truly found his own voice. Well, Wolfgang Fleur, welcome. I have to say I've been thrilled and excited to be the receiver of your emails over the, the past few weeks um, and to know how much you are excited about your success of this album, Magazine One, and to be yeah. part of that. And that has, been, that has been something wonderful because I love the fact that someone can, who has been so successful in their life can, can appreciate that sort of success as well. Um, I'm going to come on to, I want to connect that to something in a second, but um, I just want to say that I believe you've created a masterpiece and I will probably come to that through the questions that I asked during this interview. But I want to start with this. You're one person who seems to be able to appreciate the moments in life. You appreciate the small things like a landscape, a sandwich. Um, you, you appreciate oh. the big things as well. And have you always lived in the moment? And when did you start appreciating the moment? It is my education. I think um, um, I was always a very vivacious boy, um, given from my mother, I think, and my brothers were too. So I was, I was not, or, or better said, um, I was different to my twin brother. So we are not from one egg, we are different eggs. So he was more uh, the foreseeing guy and he was thinking about everything, resuming and, um, you know, um, he was analyzing everything. So I was more so the forward guy, you know, and I did what I wanted to do. I had always pressure in handicraft and, and thinking and, and a lot of imaginary in my head. So um, there was no time for thinking over if it is good or bad. I just did always what I wanted to do in that very moment. So in the moment, uh, you think about it, this moment is already gone and the next is the future. So <laughs> there's no time uh, to think about a lot. And if, if, you, if, you, if you think too long, it's gone. So ideas must be fulfilled in this very moment you have them. And in music and in lyrics writing, this is very important. Well, the idea of a, a, a magazine a magazine is in essence a moment in time. It's, it's a sort of snapshot of the society at any given moment from the point of view of the people that are involved in the magazine, from the editor's point of view. And if we take that analogy sort of further to obviously your album, Magazine One, uh, then it 
feels like it is a snapshot of you at a particular time, in essence, almost the present when it was made. Um, and it's a snapshot of your views and how you see the world and everything like that. Is that um, how you see it in terms of its concept? Yeah, that's absolutely correct, Steve. So even if we used um, the last five years, but my in, in my age, five years is a snapshot, you know, and the feelings and the storage which came in my life, in my head, that were very important to me, um, especially the last song. The crazy thing is when we talked the last time, it was the reason was uh, of war, you remember. Um, it was The Little Child, my first song after Kraftwerk, and we had the Bosnian war, you know, that was the first time we met and spoke together. You interviewed me the first time in my life. You were the one to interview me. When was that on the on the Cologne Fair? On, on the, on the that was would have been in the late nineties, wouldn't it? I think. Yeah, maybe. And now again, um, we have another thing, another war also in Europe, and uh, I have prepared a song for that, but not in the sight of a war because when we started. Uh, that song, the last song on the album, we had no war in the Ukraine. So this is, um, there's no coincidence, but uh, it happened. So we speak again about war. Is that not crazy? Well, I think there are, there, okay, there's no coincidence, but I think this is a zeitgeist in a sense that you yeah. have created this track and referring obviously to the Second World War, but maybe you can tell me because it's called Say No and it has a poem by Wolfgang Borchardt um featured on it which you which you wonderfully speak on it or the excerpts of that poem can you tell me a little bit about Borchardt and why he and his poetry was important to you yes I love I love Wolfgang Borchardt's poetry since since I can remember since my youth we had them in my school maybe I was 17 uh, I discovered uh, the lyrics of him with our German teacher, he brought it to us and the short sentences about war and all his uh, descriptions, what, what, he, um, what he has experienced with war as a soldier, that really hurt my heart. And, uh, and also his, his writing style was much to my, um, uh, was much, but, uh, much to my delight. I learned writing from him because I write today my own books and stories and always copied a little bit of him. But um, I make book readings from his books in churches in Germany, in schools, in clubs sometimes. And it's always a big success that people like how I am reading him. I lent him my voice because we, I, I, I think we are brothers. He, was, uh, he died in the same year when I was born. So I, I was born in uh, 1947 in July and he died in the same year in, in October with his first big uh, uh, tale, which was uh, played in a theater in Hamburg then, uh, out, The Outside Man, Draußen vor der Tür. That was his most famous uh, tale. And many of them were filmed, I think, also. But this track, which, we, which I have chosen for my album, I always wanted to have him um, as a tune and um, in, in, in music, you know, and when I uh, worked with Peter and his partner who sent uh, us that little soundtrack, which inspired me immediately, extremely at once. This is the music. Uh, it was just a little soundtrack, you know, but it hit my heart and said, this is fitting for Wolfgang Borchertels. And um, it was perfect for me. I was so, I was, as the English said, flappergast when I heard it, you know, and it, 
and then and then I I practice with my microphone here on the side uh, for two days to get the right um, um, the right mood to 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 think I am Wolfgang, you know. I, I always do when I'm on stage, and I try uh, to bring his voice to the people. I think I'm his brother, you know. And I think we did a good uh, a good work with this song. I mean, he rebelled against the uh, Nazi dictatorship. He was a young man at the start of the war. I mean, it's yeah. quite fascinating, uh, his story. And he passed around uh, literature when he was in the Bundeswehr, the, the conscripted German army um, yes. during the war. And he was part of a movement called Trummel Literatur, which is rubble literature, if you translate it into English. And you were born into the rubble after the Second World War in Germany, weren't you? Um, What impact does it have on you if you're on an age where you were born so close to a war and you're in the remnants, you're born into the remnants of that war? What effect do you think that has had on your whole life? That was not too much because uh, we were children, little children, and we played in the streets of Frankfurt, which was completely uh, uh, broken, which was down by the Allied troops from the bombs. And um, our house in Frankfurt, Sachsenhausen, was not bombed, fortunately. So we lived there with my whole family and my great-grandmother. And we had a wonderful life with children. The children. The streets were full of children after the war. The families made children after children because we had so less. Most of the, the young men uh, died in, in the war. So Germany needed new generations, you know. So um, I, I, I cannot believe that we were unhappy then. Uh, we did not know what happened be, uh, before us. So sometimes uh, we found some, some dead uh, soldiers in, in, in the rubbish houses where, where we were always uh, running around in, in the cellar and so on, searching for some things. It was really, really spooky. My childhood, we had nothing to play, but in the streets in summer, they were very hot, always absolutely uh, hot. And yeah, we, we didn't need much. So war was not always in, in our brain. That, 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 that is the result because we did not know anything else. Uh, uh, I mean, a clean city, we did not know that. Uh, at first, later, when I became, um, I was in school and we had uh, some history lessons about war and I was 16, I think my, uh, my, my brain started to, to become interest in, in, the, in, in the past of Germany, why all of these things happened and um, uh, the, with the Jewish and um, everything but what was so nasty then, you know. And then as I started to get more interest in literature about it, I read and I read and my heart broke 20,000 times, you know, and um, I became full of hate against my father's generation. It was very hard. And it led to that, that I, um, that I quit my, uh, my war, uh, my, my, um, my, my um, services, which I had to do. I, the army was calling for me when I was 17 or 18, I think. And it was not so easy then um, to get through that. I had a big law case and um, I had to explain my feelings, why I did not want to take a gun in my hand. I, I swore to the, to the judge, I never would do this. And if you would not allow me to make something different, like a civil service in a hospital, maybe, I was prepared for that already. 
I would go also into the jail. So don't call me to them. I would never take, I'm not able to this. I'm very sensitive, I'm an artist and uh, forget it. So at least uh, the four, four young men in, on that afternoon, all of them lost. I was the only one who was allowed to, uh, to uh, go to the hospital and have a uh, yeah, civil service. How did that hate to your father's generation express itself? Did you confront your father? Did you confront yeah, people of his generation? What did you say? Yeah, I, I said to him, Papa, I don't go to the military. You can do what you want. And he said, yeah, you are too childish. I know. You, you go, go to there and you become a real tough man. I said, I don't need that. I'm an artist. I'm a musician. And my father was not so much in, in, um, yeah, in arts, you know, my mother more. My, my mother had nothing against that. But my father was really strong. And my, my both brothers were, were always taken before me. Um, look, do you always have to do your own thing? Do you do... You do do you have to have your own head? He asked me always. I said, why not? Because I don't want it. So he was very strong and he was very uh, majestic. So um, I was always different to my brothers. They were easy handling, I not. So what, uh, what role did you have? Against my father. My father was my first winning. So I fought it against him. What and, role uh, then did music play in your early life? Was it a form of escape? Or was it a form of protest? What, what sort of, what role was it for you? Music was always joy to me because, you know, I, I, I'm, I grew up with music. My parents, uh, they're very, um, uh, they lived a party life <laughs> in the weekends. It was my mother. She was very vivacious. She was very beautiful and she loved to dance. And they met uh, often parties in our home because there were no clubs, no discotheques in the 50s, you know. And they invited friends and they made dinner and they danced afterwards. They made the German bowler, that is wine with fruit, you know. And they got drunken, of course, and uh, it was louder and louder and happier. And I always heard this wonderful uh, melodies of the South American uh, music, which my mother liked from rumba and mamba, zamba and uh, foxtrot and this style of music. It's very, very full of melodies. And this, uh, I think this really trained me and this uh, influenced me in all my life. This is which I still have in me. And this is why I also was happy with Kraftwerk because they had so romantic melodies in their music compared with technique to, to record it technically, not with nature instruments, but with um, synthesizers, and uh, which is not really a natural sound, but uh, it, it, could, it could sound natural if you have the right turns, you know, um, knobs and the filters. But anyway, um, the melodies was it, which inspired me most of them. And um, then I noticed that's, that's already in me. And afterwards, when I left Kraftwerk, it was still in me, but I had to invent it. I have to, to refine and to invent me completely new after my split with them, because I was only a drummer boy then, as you remember. And uh, to find myself, I had to have, I think, this, this hard um, confrontation with the war in Bosnia then when we met. I had just uh, made my first song and my first lyrics for the children of uh, Sarajevo and this little child track that made me a bit proud and we wanted to make this benefit track for them. And I must say today, at least it helped me more instead of them. 
to find my musicality and my melody making. You're listening to Pop, The History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. I mean, another um, connection to Borchardt, just I just finished with a point about him, is that he tore up and threw away his early poems because he was looking at his legacy and saying the early stuff wasn't as good as the later stuff. And I would like to leave my later stuff so people understand my legacy, which is apparently what he did. In many ways, I feel that this album, although it's not tearing up your early stuff by to any extent, it is almost like a reinvention and incorporation of the early stuff to say, this is more important and this is me, which is why I think this is such a fantastic album. So it's sort of, you know, I just want to draw comparisons between you and Borchardt in terms of what he did and what I feel that you have done. Do you see it in that way or do you see it completely different? No, it's completely as you say. And I mean, I was growing up and I increased my abilities a lot over the years. And also uh, with the help of my friends, I learned a lot from, from my first uh, uh, collaborators or co-producers uh, like uh, Andy Toma when we produced my first album, uh, Time Park. He was one of the, the most important um, artists I ever met in my life. And this was so helpful for me. And after that, for the second album with, um, with some other um, musicians I work with, friendly guys, you know, friendliness is always an important thing to me. Otherwise work is not, not possible. But um, uh, Stefan Lindler, we made a lot of songs for, uh, my, for my second album, um, Eloquence, and some collaborators, which I work with, you know, all of this helped me to find my way more and more. And as I said, increasing my uh, abilities uh, has also to do with my uh, education, of my, my sight of the world and every experiences I had on the street, on the streets through my life. And also my wife, who is Turkish, we live now since 25 years together. So we have Silberne Hochzeit this year. I could not believe that we stayed together so long, you know, and I learned so much about her and her culture, even if we have no, not so much uh, Turkish melodies inside. But uh, she likes my music and she also says, you changed so much since the time party. And uh, it was that year when we came together since uh, 1997. So um, she also sees that. Um, I, I think um, people must have a, a street on, on their artistic life to collect everything what can be uh, valuable for their work, you know. So um, the friends which I collected on my way, they are the most important and the valuable um, thing I, I can ever um, announce today, especially Peter Dugal who is my uh, partner and my, my musical friend since five years. He is from England. He is, he is in Birmingham born and he lives in a small town, Hepton Bridge. And we work uh, from, since five years, we work together on this album. Not all tracks on this are with him because meanwhile, I had also started with uh, Hayo Leverance from U96 and his partner Ingo. 
and we already had uh, made some collaborations for their album. And um, I took some of their tracks and changed them completely to different themes with my lyrics and my melodies inside. So they were pretty astonished what I made with their soundtracks, you know, at least they come from the techno music, you know, and they never made pop music, never made so much with lyrics and uh, strophes and verses and, and choruses. So th this, this is, a, this is um, something what I learned very good. I, I, I know very well what a pop song has to transport, what has to be inside to have a, um, 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 to, to tell a good story inside. So, I mean, you must be a, a, a storyteller in the first sight. You must have a theme, something to tell to the people. If you sing or if you speak, no matter. But if you don't have anything to sell, you, you are a musician and make soundtracks. This is how I met Peter. Peter's soundtracks really uh, touched me. I heard them on SoundCloud. He recommended me uh, some, some uh, codes. I loaded them down. I said, wow, this is something really good. This is film music to me. I have very good ideas when I hear something. I'm inspired. And then my imagination is spreading and, and glimmering and, you know, and suddenly I have an idea, a theme to it. And that first uh, was the first um, we worked on Birmingham a city in England, the second, uh, you, you know, Birmingham, I mean, I fell in love with Birmingham, not only because it's the hometown and the birth town of Peter, his huge family is living there. I was invited so often to this wonderful and friendly people. And I played pretty often in clubs, my Musik Soldat live show there, and always had good experiences. So uh, when I heard the soundtrack, which was already uh, named uh, from Peter, Birmingham. I said, let's make a pop song from it. Oh, would, would you mind? I said, yes, of course. It's important, you know. It's your city. And by the way, uh, I shortly found out that my birth town, Frankfurt, and his birth town, Birmingham, are partner cities since many years. So <laughs> why not doing songs about our birth cities, which anyway are partners now? Incre incredible, huh? But also that Dusseldorf is considered, you know, sort of a yeah. glass city and Birmingham is a glass city. Did you understand Birmingham in that way when you were there? Because also right, Dusseldorf, yeah. I don't know whether it's the fifth or sixth largest city in, in, in Germany. And Birmingham is always considered, you know, the second or third city in, in Britain. Yeah. So it has some sort of connection in that way. Yeah, even if, if Dusseldorf has a bit more glass and more steel and more aluminium because it was nearly totally broken down as Frankfurt. So we had to, um, to rebuild it and um, made it a bit, a bit more modern than Birmingham. But I love cities which are half and half, you know. I would love to have some more old houses in Dusseldorf uh, from, from the last century or so. Um, unfortunately, we don't have. At any case, it helped us with Kraftwerk to make modern music which fitted to our neighborhood, or to our surrounding. And everything what artists do describe their surrounding where we grow up. That, that's for sure. And if we have a nice nature and this wonderful, lovely, romantic rhyme, everything uh, floats into our musical work, you know. It's inspiring. I mean, before we get onto the track, Birmingham, I just want to talk about the artwork, which is obviously behind you and uh, of course this is a podcast I, I i will show some of this on uh, on yeah. social media but because this is a podcast people can't see it instantly but it's also a combination between the old uh 
and the new, and it's the rebirth. It's it's got lots of sort of you know meanings within that, and it was uh, created by a friend of yours, Marcus Luix. Marcus Luix, yes, Marcus Luix is a longtime friend from me. He's a photographer and um, an um, graphic artist, and um, I learned him. Um, I met him the first time also in the same uh, year when I met my wife. We, she was my girlfriend then, and she introduced me to him. And she said, he's just in the end of his studies and he must make a book or anything for his last work for his professor. And then I had already written my book about my uh, time with Kraftwerk. I was a robot with this title. And I asked uh, Markus if he can make the layout for the book uh, for the publisher. And he got a little money from them. And uh, that was his first work. And I was really very, very happy. Since then, I know him. And I also uh, can uh, experience and uh, see how he uh, developed with everything he does with photos. He makes big, big exhibitions in Dusseldorf, meanwhile, and he, he writes books about Dusseldorf and other books. And he made, since then, he made every artwork which, which I needed in books and albums in sleeves. And um, this, this, uh, this cover from Magazine One, which uh, I have bought on, on, a, uh, on, an, on an exhibition, it's behind me, one meter to one meter in this size, uh, made me immediately accept this is very good fitting to my album, which was, uh, the working title was Collaborators then. And I saw these two buildings as completely different characters, as collaborators trying to do something new, the old and new, and which always happened. Um, let's go back in ninety-ninety-seven uh, uh, when I was with uh, Andy Thomas. He was young, I was old. Uh, so I was the brick, uh, the, the, the broken house, and he was the new house. He was the steel guy. He was modern and so. But we did something new together. We, it fitted. And he said, we learned so much from you, Wolfgang, because we never go prepared into a recording session. We, we, we play daily mood. We go on our synthesizer and we play daily mood, you know. And afterwards we think, oh, what, what, what can we call it? Um, orange thing or so, yeah. And I said, I come always completely prepared with a theme, with lyrics and melodies in my head. And I explain my collaborators uh, what should happen inside. And so we start pretty good compared. It's, it's easier then to come to results, you know. Yeah, with this, with this, uh, uh, with this picture which I bought from him, he, uh, he gave me uh, the permission that I can use it on my album. That made him proud, of course. And um, then we we had a, um, a celebration. I think it was in a restaurant. We sat all together with my friends and we spoke about that new album with all these different themes inside. And I said. Uh, he asked me, he did not hear any one of them. We were in the draft uh, period. And I said, I can send you some drafts tomorrow. And when he heard them, he said, yeah, Wolfgang, you, what you spoke yesterday, that you have so many different themes. And he said, you, you leave like, like, like a paper mag or so. Then call it magazine. My God, it is a magazine. It's an audio magazine, not collaboration. Shit, forget that. It's magazine, you know, and it, you can leave through it. And every page has another theme, like, in, like People's Magazine or any other thing, you know. And he said, wonderful. Why did you not say that before? <laughs> so that the, the theme was born, you know, and now we have magazine one and magazine two is already prepared for next year. 
mean, meanwhile, I think nearly 80% finished. Now, you said, you said, you know, it could have been called collaborators. It could have been called collaborators and lots of guests. Yeah. <laughs> because there are immense yeah, amount of, of guests. If we look at yeah. Birmingham, you've got uh, uh, Peter Hook, who's yeah. uh, from Manchester. I mean, you know, <laughs> Joy Division and New Order. It's a, wonder that, it's, a, it's a wonder that we want him because the crazy thing is Andy McClaskey did not want to sing the song because he's from Liverpool and he did not want to sing, to sing a song about Birmingham. So he was against it. So I'm friendly with him. But Claudia did it very well, you know. Oh, Claudia, it's just wonderful. But I just want to say this Birmingham... Uh, Liverpool, Manchester Triangle. It's a little bit like Dusseldorf and Cologne. So Correct. there we have another connection going on. Um, Claudia Brooken, of course, was in uh, uh, Propaganda and um, she recorded this in the studio. How did that come about? Was, it, was she someone you approached or was that someone that Peter approached? No, Peter didn't know her about that. Um, did not know all too much about Propaganda. And um, she was my second um, idea. My first idea was uh, like on the, on, on, on the last album, um, Miriam Suarez. Um, she sang, she's from Essen. It's a city near Dusseldorf in the Ruhrgebiet. And uh, she's half Spanish and half German. She has a wonderful voice. And she sang on my last album, uh, different songs. And I always wanted to have her to have a complete uh, track to sing. Now she is the back singer in many of our songs, like also in um, in Say No and others. But uh, I could not reach her in that time. She's sometimes difficult to reach. I don't know why, but she's a wonderful and beautiful young girl, a young woman meanwhile. And um, anyway, I did not reach her then. I tried and tried and then I thought who could sing the song. And suddenly, I don't know why, I came on the idea to ask Claudia, which I know since long. And I had met her the last time in Dusseldorf, I think it's four years ago, when this uh, Kraftwerk concert was in, 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 in the open air region, in, in, the, in the museum area, you know. And we had a big party afterwards without Kraftwerk, and many artists were there in, 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 in the restaurant, in the brewery restaurant on Oststraße. Also with um, um, with a, with a, um, ah, the drummer of Duff, tell me the name. Oh, that girl. Oh, that girl was also there. So, so many artists were there and um, publishers uh, from, from the record guys and A&Rs, so many people. And Claudia was sitting between them with her girlfriend. Uh, Susanne, and then suddenly uh, we spoke a little bit after the uh, after the after the dinner in, in in a bar. We all went and had some drinks, and uh, I took her aside. Would would you not do something with me once in the future? It was not already Birmingham, but just a talk. She said, "Of course, any time. Ask me then." And that came up, and then I asked her, I, I sent her an email, and she said immediately, "Yes, send me the melody, send me the lyrics. Why not?" Yeah, we sent her the back the background music, and I sang uh, the songs with my uh, not so good singing. It was pretty bad, but that she at least I was not a good singer, and I'm I'm still not a good singer. But anyway, for this track, we needed a good singer, not not with this, this speech singing style which I present in the other tracks, but. Um, 
yeah, she, she said, it's lovely, it's lovely. Oh, I, it's really lovely. I love to do it. And she uh, give, gave something from her own melody in the back, in the end of her, and uh, of, of the melodies. And it was wonderful. When it came back, she said, my, um, I demand to sing it here, not in your, in, in your studio in Dusseldorf, because I invited her to my home where I always record myself and I can do pretty well here. But she said, okay, I agree to everything. What's, what's your um, idea? She said, uh, Paul Humphreys, please. And um, yeah, I said, go ahead. And she did it there. She feels well with him. She was, I think, married with him. So they know each other very, very well. And it's good if you have a good, um, a good connection to the technician or to the musician who's working with you. She does not know me musically so much. So maybe she was a bit shy or I don't know. Um, it was fine, at least. I mean, you say that you're you're not a singer in inverted commas, but you, in a, in you've developed your voice um, mm -hmm. over the years, and you hear that on this on on this album. How has that come about? Because that must have been you know some form of process over the years yeah. to do that. So how have you achieved that? Uh, my label partner from Sherry Red Records, which is Barnaby Ashton Bullock, uh, he's friendly with me. Meanwhile, we are good friends since uh, the Eloquence album. He said, Wolfgang, there are some spots on the Eloquence album, which I still like very much. And it's a start for you. I hear that. Do me a favor. Sing more, please, sir. Sing, sing, sing. We love to hear your voice even if it's not the brilliant uh, orchestra thing, but we love Germans to sing. It's better than Ralph sings. So please do me the favor on the next album. I said, okay, sir, I try. And I took some lessons as well, I, I promise. And um, I had some good uh, technique and Peter is also helping me with a little, little bit auto-tune, but not much, he says, you are becoming better and better. And on the last track we recorded, he said, we don't need auto-tune anymore. And there's still part two with Wolfgang Fleur to come. I'll see you there.